My name is Drew Essen, and I bring greetings from my church, the Woodlands Methodist Church, this morning. I'm so excited to be here this morning to, to be able to talk to you, to be able to close uh, this series out on Colossians. I was so humbled and so thankful when Colin uh, asked me to fill in this morning um, because I was talking to my wife on the way here. I feel like we have so many different connections to St. Luke's. Um, I thought back. Uh, Dr. Pace, Dr. Tom Pace was my pastor growing up at Christ United Methodist Church in Sugarland, and so uh, Tom was my pastor for a long time, so I've known him uh, for, for quite a while. And then I thought about uh, Pastor Katie and Whitney Mears. We've known them uh, for the better part of the decade before all of us had kids and life was sweet. And I've known them for a long time. We love the Mears. And uh, I also get the chance uh, to uh, work a little bit with your chief of staff, Jennifer Bubel. I'm sure many of you know her. We're in a church executives group together, so we get to uh, meet and to talk shop a couple times a year. So I get to see Jennifer all the time. And then also Carrie, I remember when Branches was starting, and I remember Colin calling me and saying, Colin calling, that's fine. Um, Colin calling me and saying, I finally found my worship leader, and she is incredible. And what a gift she has been to this community. I mean... <laughs> That's right. Clap for your worship leader. I used to be one. Appreciate your worship leader. They do such a good job. Um, but like I said, probably my main connection to the church is through Colin, your branch's um, community pastor here. Um, Colin and I served together uh, at Memorial Drive United Methodist Church just uh, up the street, not too far. And when Colin came to Memorial Drive, I had been serving there for a couple years. We started uh, getting to know each other. We officed right next to each other. We were both musicians. We both uh, had similar interests, all these different kinds of things. So we became fast friends. Um, and it was just great to get to know him and Landon and that, their, uh, their whole uh, ministry is just incredible. Um, so when he asked me today to fill in uh, for him, the first thing I looked at was how long they allot for the sermon, which is this fun countdown clock in the back, if you didn't know that. But what I knew to be true was that no matter how much time that was allotted, it's not enough time to tell you all the embarrassing and incriminating things I have against Colin, okay? <laughs> 20 minutes can roll, but it's not enough time, all right? So I'm gonna take the high road this morning, okay? I'm just gonna let those pass, but know that I could, all right? Know that it's out there. And if at any time during this sermon, some photos were to pop up behind me of Colin dressed in funny things, I mean, I had nothing to do with it. Oh my. He talked a little bit about this this week, um, but we suffered for the Lord together, which I call VBS, um, every single year. And I, I mean, that's Blizzard the Wizard. I mean, it's so good. I've got stories, I've got stories. But truthfully, he is an incredible sport. Uh, we always had so much fun together. Okay, we can take those off, I'll be nice now. But in the same way I said this about Carrie, I think all of you know what an incredible gift you have in Colin Bagby. Um, seriously, he is, uh, he, I think he single-handedly got me through seminary. Uh, he is such an incredible preacher, an incredible pastor, and just a loyal and caring friend. And so I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful he and Landon were able to get away uh, for some time of Sabbath, and I'm excited to close out the book of Colossians for you guys. I've been following along these little guides that you have. I hope you have one of these. If you don't, make sure you pick one up. Um, I've been following along uh, with you guys over the last couple weeks. And so today we are in chapter four of Colossians. So I wanna invite you to stand 
for the reading of God's word this morning as we hear some of these final words from Paul to the church. It starts with this. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Then he says this, be wise in the ways that you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer everyone. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. And as you do, if you would join me in a spirit of prayer together. God, we do thank you for your word, for the opportunity to gather as believers together, for the opportunity to come together to sing your praises today. Lord, so just in these few minutes, we pray that our hearts and our minds can be open to hear what you have for us this day. We thank you for the powerful spirit that is in this place, and we thank you for the community that is Branches, God. Be with us now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this thing happens to me every single Sunday, and it's not going to church. Well, that does happen every Sunday, but this thing happens every single Sunday and it is the most embarrassing and convicting part of my week, and it happens right around 9.24 a.m. on Sunday mornings. I don't know if this happens to you or not, but right uh, at, at our church, we have services at 9.30 and 11, and usually right before I'm about to go stand up to preach or to lead worship or whatever, I get this little notification on my phone, and it says this. It says, your weekly screen time report is ready. And it is the worst part of my week. I tell you what, okay, so you all know this is, maybe if you don't, um, there's this feature on your phone that sends you a report of how much time every day you've spent on your phone, right? It breaks it down in every graph, every way that you could possibly think of, right? So it tells you how much you've been on this app and how much the total time is and, and how much you've picked up your phone and how many times you've thought about your phone. <laughs> that one's like iOS 20, but it's coming. But every single week, it blows me away how much time I spend on this little thing. And I am not an anti-technology person. Technology runs my life, and it is great. But every single week, when I get that little notification, it's a time for me to stop and evaluate my relationship with this little box. It takes time for me to think about, okay, what is the true purpose of these things? Why do they exist in the first place? And how far have we gotten away from their true purpose? Because you can do everything on this thing now, right? I mean, it's incredible. But there's a flashlight, right? I mean, how far away have we gotten from its true purpose, right? All these things, phones have gotten more and more complicated. We've added all sorts of different things on top of it. And we've really gotten away from what the true purpose of the phone was in the first place. And thinking about this this week, I saw... Um, a Facebook post from one of my seminary professors, Dr. Ted Campbell. Um, I have it up here on the screen. I'm going to read it to you without his little silly commentary at the bottom. Um, but he said this. He said, this week I'm moving from a smartphone to a wise phone. I still have my iPhone, but the plan is to not carry it with me, and it no longer has a data plan. My wise phone is the light phone. See link below does calls and texts and can show calendar and contact info and even driving directions, but no email, no social media, 
and no camera. Pretty cool, right? So I did some research on this, and that's it. You can see it up there. It looks like an old uh, I, uh, iPad. No, not iPad. What's the thing? The f iPod. Thank you. See, I, we're getting away from it, right? It looks like an old iPod. But it's new technology that is essentially getting us back to what the main function and focus of the phone is. It gets us back to it. And as I thought about our journey through Colossians, if I could highlight what the whole purpose of the book of Colossians is about up to this point. Is Paul talking to the, to the people in the church and saying, okay, look, you've been adding a whole lot of different things onto the gospel message. You've subscribed a little bit to some false teaching. You subscribed a little bit to saying that, that things, more things are required in order to have salvation. You've been throwing a little pagan ritual in there, a little Jewish uh, ritual in there, when all you truly need is to come back to focus in on the simple gospel that you know. That, and what Paul is saying all throughout the book is pretty simple. I've pulled it down to this. He says, Jesus is enough. So if you're joining today and you, you haven't been reading along in Colossians, if you hear nothing else today, if you zone out for the sermon right after this, all I want you to hear today, my message to you, is that Jesus is enough. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you will do. The salvation that is available to you is for everyone. And Jesus is enough. And now here as we come to chapter four, after Paul has talked to us about this over and over again, he lays out some pretty simple steps. He's communicated the clarity of the gospel to the people. He said, stop adding all these things in. And now here are some ways that you can walk in that clarity. You can walk in that power of the gospel. And so I've broken this down to some uh, simple steps, just two steps. Down the street at the Baptist Church, they're doing three steps this morning. We're going to do two steps because they're not beating me to one of y'all's fancy brunch places around here, okay? We're going to get in first, all right? So just two steps, all right? Two steps that we're going to keep this simple this morning. And the first step is this. In order to walk in the clarity and the power of the gospel, verse 2 says this simply. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer and being watchful and thankful. Step one, friends, is to prioritize prayer. Now, I know what you're thinking. Colin, uh, in his infinite wisdom, got a guest pastor to come in, and he said, pray. What's he going to say next? Go to church? That's coming, step two. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but prayer, it's something in our lives that might be, if you polled people, an informal poll, we're not going to do it right now, might be the hardest part of the Christian life, the part that we so often forget about. If you're anything like me in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, getting my three kids from here to there, they're all in activities, all these different things, social obligations, church obligations, all these things begin spinning. Prayer for me is usually the first thing that's easily cut from my schedule. It's a hard practice. We know in our minds that we should pray, right? We all come together and say, yeah, we need to pray, this is good. But maybe you're like me, what happens to me most times is I'll hear a sermon on prayer, I'll do a Bible study on prayer, or I'll, heck, I'll give a sermon on prayer. And for the next couple of days, no one's gonna beat me at prayer. 
I'm like the top prayer, prayer out there, all right? But as life happens, my prayer life slowly begins to fade in the background for one reason or another. And you think about maybe sometimes how we pray. When I think about myself, how often in my life is my prayer life just trying to make some sort of transaction with God, saying, God, I need this, or things aren't going well, or some brunch needs to be blessed here in about 10-ish minutes. Prayer, my friends, is the thing that continually draws us back into our relationship with God. It's the thing that's gonna help us to keep the clarity of the gospel when life wants to continue to add things in on top of it. The scripture says to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And even the scripture outlines how hard praying is. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about it like this. He says, labor with me in prayer. Work with me in prayer. Paul's saying this isn't always the easiest thing to do. Even think about the disciples. As they've walked with Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, and they're coming to the end of his time on earth, and what is one of those last questions? They say, Father, teach us how to pray. Prayer is difficult. But when we prioritize prayer, we begin to understand the nature of who God is. Just like any other relationship that you have, you have to communicate to go deeper in. And then once you gain that deeper understanding of God, all of those burdens of life, all of those things that's hard for you, they begin to, to, to make more sense. They begin, they begin to feel a little less heavy. When we think that God, the creator of the universe, designed us in such a way where not only we're able to communicate with him, but that he wants to communicate with us is profound. It's a profound thing that the creator of the universe wants to hear from me and from you. And when we under, truly understand the gospel message like Paul has talked about, it should compel us, it should move us into a place where we prioritize prayer. And maybe you're saying this morning, I, I don't know what to talk to God about. We're all in different places on this journey together. There's no scorecard in prayer. Maybe something for you that's simple, something that I use when I don't know what to pray. I find a piece of scripture or a saying that I know to be true and I begin to say it. I say, Jesus, I belong to you. Our Holy Spirit, come. I wonder, in your life today, as you sit here, how are some of the ways that you can begin to prioritize prayer? Because in your life, when you're constantly reminded of the goodness of God, I, I love this song, as we live in the goodness of God, you're gonna come to understand it more and more every single day. You're gonna be able to block out those things in your life that wanna come take away from what the true message of Jesus says. Find your own way to prioritize prayer. Because when that happens, when you gain a clear understanding of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you and for I, dying on the cross for our broken nature and rising again so that we can have everlasting life. When you begin to pray, you begin to grasp that. And something happens when you grasp that. 
the Lord gets to step two of our process this morning. Okay, after we get the clarity of the gospel, we are then compelled to be a gracious witness. When you prioritize prayer, God makes it clear to you. And when it's clear for you, God then calls you to be a gracious witness to others. It says it in verse five. It says this, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every single opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul is saying, be a gracious witness. If you're a member of this church, or you ever, ever joined a Methodist church, you joined, whether you remember it or not, and said, I'm gonna support this church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Witness, right? But what does that mean? Have you ever stopped and said, what does it mean to be a witness? Paul is calling us here to, to, to have an urgency towards witnessing in the world. And it's not just Paul. We read about it all throughout the Scripture. It's our task. Matthew 28, you know it, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us a commandment to go out into the world, to not just make this Christianity thing something, a little box that I live in with God, but to say, after I prioritize prayer, I'm gonna go out into the world. I can't help but share the things that God is doing in my life because I know him and I know of the redeeming grace that he has for me. I have to tell someone about this. Jesus tells us that that is our purpose. Every single one who's been redeemed has a role to play in sharing the gospel. It's not just reserved for pastors or preachers or worship leaders or prayer team members or your grandma who talks to everybody about Jesus, right? It's for all of us. There is no such thing as an unsent Christian. God tells us we all have a role to play. And that doesn't matter if, if your personality type is an introvert. Honestly, if you can, you can ask my wife, uh, I'm truly an introvert by nature. It might not seem like it because I'm up here on stage. But on the weekends, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I love being here with branches this morning, but my couch is calling me, and it's away from people, and I don't have to talk to any of you, okay? It's true, though. Um, just a little bit. But I'm truly an introvert. But you know what? I, something that came to me this week is that my personality type can't define my purpose. Okay? And Jesus says that we all have a purpose together. Jesus defines that purpose for you. It's to go into the world to be a gracious witness. And I know what you might be thinking. Well, that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm not someone who knows how to talk about my faith. Pastor, we just covered that. I don't even know how to pray. So how do you expect me to be a witness in the world? I'm gonna say something weird about my faith. It's gonna be awkward. I'm not gonna know what to do with my hands. They're never gonna come to church again, and it's gonna be terrible. But your awkward conversation, all of those things, let me tell you this. God wastes nothing. If you remember back a little bit earlier this year, February 8th, there's a pastor named Zach McCreebs, yep, I think that's it, who preached a sermon at Asbury Seminary. He preached a sermon that he would say later he did not have very much time to prepare for. He was kind of flying by the seat of his pants and after he sat down after preaching, 
he texted his wife that he totally whiffed the sermon. If you watched the news anything after February 8th, you would see that his whiffed sermon, his awkward sermon, went to start the largest modern-day revival that we have seen, where tens of thousands of people for 14 days straight worshipped, where tens of thousands of people came to know and experience the love of Jesus. The, the thing is this, when you are being a gracious witness, God wastes nothing. And you are sent and you are called to go out. And we, and we know this. I'll just say this. We know that witnessing with our words is a form of witnessing, one that we should be intentional about. But we know that there are so many ways to witness. We know that witnessing to others can be a process. I think about people in my family who I've prayed for years. Jesus work in their lives, and it's still a process. We know that, that witnessing is a process, again, that begins with prayer, to, to have that person or people in your mind that you're just saying, Lord, please, just open a door, as the scripture says. God, open a door so they can see you. And then a lot of times, before you can get to the spoken witness, you have to develop a relationship. You have to have, you have to be a, hospi a hospitable witness. You have to be a back porch witness. You have to be a phone call witness. You have to be a beer witness. Oh, that's my favorite one. I mean, and then God opens the door for us to share in that conversation, to offer them the hope that you have, the simple gospel that Paul has called us to focus on, to block out everything else, to prioritize prayer in our lives, and then to be a gracious witness. Two steps. When you prioritize prayer, God's gonna make it clear to you. He's gonna make the gospel so real to you that you can't help but go forward to be a gracious witness to others. I'll close with this today. We all come into this place at different parts of our faith journey. You might be coming in today and you're like, who is this Jesus guy he is talking about? Or maybe you're coming in today with doubts or uncertainties about this. Wherever you rank yourself, I'm gonna go back to something I said in the beginning. Wherever you're at today, Jesus isn't here saying he's ashamed of you for not praying or for not being a witness. Jesus is here desiring a relationship with you. And what I hope we've taken away from this series on Colossians is that Jesus is all we need. Our lives are gonna continue to be complicated. The world's gonna get more complicated. There's gonna be more noise all throughout what we do. So Colossians 4 is telling us just to prioritize prayer and to be a gracious witness for the gospel in the world. Because friends, we live in a world that so desperately needs the love and the grace and the truth that Jesus has to offer. So no matter where you're at, know the reality is that with Jesus, today's reality does not have to be tomorrow's reality. And whatever it looks like for you to take some first steps in prayer or to take some first steps in witnessing, whatever that looks like in your life, I pray this week that you can be compelled to do that. Branches, I'm proud 
of you. It's so beautiful to see one of your best friends bring a faith community to life. My prayer is that you can be a people that prioritize prayer and offer a gracious witness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.